Morning, church. Um, it's the first time using this mic, bear with me if I start speaking like this and it's over here, but um, I shouldn't do it on, I know how mics work. So. Uh, so a show of hands, has anyone been lost before? I'm hoping, pretty sure that's going to be everyone. Um, okay, has anyone taken the wrong turn on the motorway before, or been in the car and that's happened? Again, it's probably going to be a lot of us. <laughs> so finally, has anyone done this for over an hour? So you've taken the wrong turn in. I know there's going to be two hands in the room. And Lou as well, cool. So there's a few of us, so not just me. Um, I'll come back to that later. Today I'm bringing the fourth instalment um, on our series of the name of Jesus. And as Sam has shared, that is going to be on shepherds. We've already heard about Jesus the king, the prophet and the priest. Not in that order. Um, now, this is one of my favourite things about the names of Jesus. Is that, and I mentioned this last week when I was up here doing worship, that his names are so different. So last week, Pete McVeigh was speaking on King, and this week I'm speaking on Shepherd. And these are two names that are so different, but both completely relate to our God, Jesus, our King, and our Shepherd. Um, I couldn't exactly imagine Queen Elizabeth ruling her Queen Kingdom, and then the next day, standing in a field, herding some sheep. But this is what Jesus is doing, has been doing, and will be doing until he returns. He's ruling our towns, our cities, our nations, our continents, the whole heaven, his whole earth, whilst at the same time being the shepherd who seeks and returns his sheep to his flock and continues to provide and care for them. I'm going to split my time this morning and talk on Jesus the shepherd and in the second half I'm going to talk on his lost sheep. So what does it mean for Jesus to be a shepherd and why is there any need for him to take up this mantle in the first place? Um, where I've chosen to start is Ezekiel 34, 1-16. So please turn there if you have a Bible. It should be coming up on the screen as well. Um, God has entrusted his flock, his people, the people of Israel, into the hands of worldly leaders, who at this time were seen as shepherds of his people. It says, The word of God came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, Shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the, fi- you eat the fat and clothe yourselves with wool. You slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak ones you have not strengthened, the sick ones you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered, because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth, with none to search or seek for them. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself, will search the sheep and will seek them out. As the shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered. So So will I seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from his countries, and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture, They shall feed on the mountains of Israel. 
I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. The fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. So I'm just going to rearrange it a bit. You see, here God is not happy with the shepherds he hath entrusted with his flock. For they have not been caring for God's people in the way he trusts them to. They have been looking after themselves and worrying about their own comfort. In fact, they have been so poor in looking after God's people that they have scattered. They have run and they have hidden in fear. And the shepherds have not gone after them or tried to find them again. He tells them that because these shepherds have neglected their duties, he alone will seek after his flock and the people and bring them back to his fold. This is why there is need for one good shepherd. God knows that for his sheep to return to his flock and have him to have a relationship with them, he needs to be this shepherd, the shepherd. The flock have scattered. While Ezekiel addressing the nation of Israel, when Jesus came as the shepherd, he came not just for one nation, but for all nations, for all people everywhere. And today, many are not with us and not with him. God lays out his plans to be the only one to bring those who are lost back to him. What is key about this is God's word is binding. This is a promise spoken through the prophet Israel. So we know that one day God planned to fulfill this and he has said what he has said and Jesus was the living out of this, the fulfilment of this. And Jesus confirmed this later in the New Testament, in John 10, 1 to 18, and I'm going to read from verse 7, and again it will be up on the screen. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is hired, he who is the hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. What Jesus says here echoes what God spoke for Ezekiel and sets up a contrast from himself and the, shepherd, the leader's shepherds who failed in their care. Jesus is the only way, and he made the way by laying down his life, his crucifixion and his resurrection. This is the amazing news, just amazing news. We know there is no amount of good we can do to get into heaven. Not only can we not earn it, but we don't have to. The truth... <clears throat> This is the truth a lot of people are missing. We don't do good works to have a relationship with God. We have a relationship with God, so we then do good works. 
Out of this relationship grows the desire to live and serve God, who loves us and would send his only son to die for us. This is what it means for Jesus to be the shepherd. And it really hits home for me in verse 17 and 18. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. No one made Jesus do it. He is the good shepherd. He chose to lay down his life for his flock, for the world. I love passages like this. They speak so powerful to me. Jesus came. Jesus could have said no. He could have ran, but he did not. He knew he was to be betrayed, but he didn't hide. He knew what the, how painful the cross was going to be, but he still went there. And on the cross, he not only endured the pain that we cannot imagine, he also welcomed a man who was hanging on the cross next to him and brought him back to his flock. Even in the hardest, most painful moments, he was shepherding the lost. He is the good shepherd. So, imagine this scenario. You are driving down the, through the country, you see a nice big field full of sheep, and you ooh and car, aren't, you ooh and ah, aren't they cute? And then you drive on a bit further, a few minutes down the road, and you see another sheep looking a bit sheepish. Nice. <laughs> it was there, come on. Um, anyway, you notice this sheep, and you also notice there are no more sheep fields around, and you haven't seen one for a while, and you come to the conclusion this sheep is lost and must be missing from that previous field. Now, in this situation, we may tend to think, Oh, that's a shame. I hope you find his way back, but I'm, I need to get where I'm going. What we should be doing is stopping the car, getting out, and trying to figure out how we can get this sheep back to that field. So after a while, you open the boot, you herd the sheep back to where, where towards your car, you try and lift it up, a few bites to the leg, a few hoofs to the hand, you realise there's nothing you can do to get that sheep back to that field. What you know you need to do is protect it. Keep it from that nearby road, Protect it from falling in that nearby river until the shepherd, who you just happen to have direct, line fo- direct phone line to, arrives. He is the only one who knows this sheep and the only one who can return it to the flock. Our part to play in this story is to love those who are lost, in caring for them, in pointing them to the shepherd. But we're not the ones to rescue them. Jesus is the rescuer. Jesus has done for us what we could never do for ourselves. He doesn't say, Neil, good news. You know Joe, Joe's made up, by the way. You know Joe, well, he'll decide to follow me, but I need to help with getting to heaven. Can you account for his sins for me? Or the road I paved is not quite big enough. Can you give him a piggyback? No, he said, Neil, great news. Joe is saved. He has a relationship with me. He doesn't say, welcome, Joe. Thanks for following me. But before you can be a true follower or have a relationship with me, you need to, keep, you need to do a couple of good deeds. It's only 100 for new followers. Oh, and five more for every sin you have done or are going to do. So you're going to be busy. No, he says, Joe, welcome to my kingdom. I love you. And you are now part of my flock. This brings me on to my second half. The lost sheep. All those who don't yet know Jesus. Who are scattered and lost and need a shepherd. The shepherd. We have already read that God will will be the only shepherd of his sheep. And Jesus is living that out for us today. It can be really hard to get your head round what we have been chosen. We don't deserve this. <coughs> there are stories of people with all sorts of pasts. Some will have a, had atrocious past who now follow Jesus and are welcomed into his kingdom. 
In Luke 15, we see Jesus spending the time with some of the lowest thought of people and causing an upset for this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbours, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. It is vitally important, the lost hear what we believe and the truth the Bible teaches us. Verse 7 says, There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than the 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. From this I read that God's heart yearns for the lost and he wants a relationship with them. He has, done so much, he has so much love, he wants to share it with everyone. Now the awkward bit, can I have a volunteer? Anyone? I need someone to come up. Um, you're going to listen to some music in the headphones. It might be a little bit loud, but can I have just one person to help me out with this next bit? It can't be Sam. He knows what I'm going to say. Thank you, Lou. Do you want to have a Thank you. Good to job as well. Um, what I'm going to do is say three things about bones. Random, I know. It's just something I thought of. It's not really related to what I'm saying. We're meant to have them on. Not yet. Um, it could be anything. Whilst I talk, I'd like you to be wearing the headphones, mm -hmm. which are playing music, and hopefully you will not be able to hear me. We'll make sure that's the case. Once I have finished, I'll ask you to tell me what you think I know about bones. Just a couple of things, nothing major. Um, so if you put those on, it's, quite, it's really random, I know, but it's got a point, obviously. It's not just for my uh, amusement. It is. Oh, yeah. Oh, that didn't work. Yeah, yeah. You might, you might need to speak to the other side of the speakers. Yeah. Can you still hear me? Luke, can you hear me? Mm. You can turn it up a bit. You can, you can turn up it as well. You said, mine at work, she can still hear me. But. Can you hear me now? Cool, cool. So, just really random, three facts about bones. Adult humans have 206 bones. The stapes in the middle ear is the smallest and lightest bone of the human skeleton. Joints are where the two a place where two bones meet or connect. Some of them is quite obvious, quite easy. So that's it. So who's going to come back? Yeah, take them off. <laughs> Can you tell me three things you think I know about bones? They're, oh, they're in the body. Oh, okay. uh, bones are in the body. Nice. Um, bones, they're attached to each other. Cool, cool. And often are white looking. Yeah, that's good. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, thank you, Lou. Thank you. You can sit down now. Thank you. Good sport. Now, Lou knew I was up here talking about bones, but she didn't know what I was saying. She didn't know what I knew and what others knew after I told you about bones. See, if we separate ourselves from those who aren't following Jesus, remaining over here, and we allow the lost to remain over there where Lou was, or obviously not just in this building, but you know what I mean, um, 
they will end up being like Lou and not knowing what we are talking about. We need to be mixed in with them and spend time allowing them to get to know who we are and what we believe. It's no good them guessing what we believe or, or what we say, like Lou did about bones. We need to make sure they see our hearts and in turn they will see God's heart. Now, some of them have an idea of what we are saying or believe. Some will have a deep knowledge of what the Bible says and some won't have given it a second's thought. But unless people have heard the truth or seen the love of Jesus, they do not know what we know. They do not know the depth of what I shared in the first half of this preach, that Jesus laid down his life, his perfect sin-free life, so that we may have a relationship with God. So for the benefit of Lou, the three facts I shared were, adult humans have 206 bones, the stapes in the middle ear is the smallest and lightest bone of the human skeleton, joints the place where two bones meet. Which Lou got quite close to that one, which I was actually quite happy about, because it showed that she knew bones met, but she, did, she probably does know joints, but um, I hope. <laughs> but um, she didn't go to the very facts of it. And Lou was able to give me a vague idea of what, what I knew about bones. We'll find this with some people when it comes to, the, to our faith. All of my non-church friends know I attend church and that I believe in God. Some of them will know I celebrate Jesus or we celebrate Jesus' birth at Christmas and his death at Easter, and some will have a vague idea why. Now, I'm not saying the same with every individual, but I believe the reason most do not know Jesus their Saviour is because they have not heard the truth that we have heard. In Romans 10, to 10 13 to 15, it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the good of Jesus. And until they know that Jesus laid down their life for hours, he laid down his life for hours, and without him there is no way back to God. They will remain lost. We must know and tell them it's Jesus who rescues. It's Jesus who saves. As Romans says, how are people going to hear about Jesus? How are they going to hear about the good news of the gospel or see lives that have been transformed by the gospel? I have friends that say they believe in God or a God, but have no desire to seek him out or to follow him because they don't know the truth. I've had the conversation a number of times. Yeah, I'm a I'm a good person, I don't do this or the other, I'll be going to heaven. Was I brave enough to tell them differently? No, not every time. Why? I don't know. What I do know is I miss an opportunity and I allow them to keep thinking in that way. They had a skewed view of our faith. I'm a good person, I believe in God, therefore I'm going to heaven. This is a common belief, but this is actually a really dangerous situation for them to be in. If someone thinks they're okay, and they're allowed to think what they believe is right, they're going to end up from bit far from being okay. We need to break in and not be afraid to tell them that actually this is not right. We need to be led by the Spirit to know his leading and prompting and being bold and courageous to be obedient as he gives us opportunities. Everyone is different. And for those who are yet following Jesus, there will be varying levels of knowledge. Different levels of interaction with our faith, different beliefs, and others who have just not thought about religion or faith, let alone Christianity. There are the people who think they've heard enough, but they just don't believe, or they believe something else. 
They're the ones who are searching for something but yet to explore Christianity or explore it fully. And finally, there are those who don't know they are in need of rescuing. One thing can help us in sharing Jesus with people is by the way we live. If we are authentic in the way we live, when we talk to them about God, when we speak truth, people will more likely hear and believe truth. Our lives have power to witness to the world how fulfilling a life lived with Jesus is. We need those who are lost, we need those who are lost to hear truth. Not just have an idea of what we do or dip into Christianity and then some kind of spiritual practice. We need these people to hear and to see, to witness what we know. God is real. His son came to earth and died for our sins. Without him, there is no way to God. We cannot earn it or buy it. Once we have it, we cannot lose it. The debt is already paid, the battle already won. We are on the winning side. We will one day be with God for eternity because of what Jesus has done. This is the truth. We need to make sure we're not like the Pharisees in Luke, trying to decide who is fit to be saved, who deserves to walk alongside Jesus. This can be a challenge and hard to get our heads around. There are people we find it hard to love, or those we would choose to avoid, but they, as much as you and I, can have a relationship with God. But, But surely not. Surely some have done so much bad that someone as holy as God cannot spend time with them, cannot dwell in them. This would be the wrong attitude to have. Sometime in the past I have looked at people and thought, they're beyond saving. Or, there's no way they'll turn to God. We cannot be like the Pharisees. We need to know that all can be reached and all can be saved. Every life is important. A couple of years ago I was up here preaching and I mentioned a guy called Shane Taylor. Because his story is incredible. He was considered one of the most dangerous criminals in Britain and one of the most dangerous men in the prison system. It took one man, the prison chaplain, to approach him and tell him about God. I think it was him to invite him to long to Alpha. And he turned his life around to Jesus. This prison chaplain didn't see a hardened criminal, but a lost sheep. His full testimony is amazing. And since he started his walk in relationship with God, he has spent time telling it around the nation to Christians and non-Christians. We cannot afford to miss anyone. Jesus has used this man in a massive way. What would the Pharisees have made of Shane Taylor? What should we make of him? What would we make of him? They certainly would not approve of Jesus spending time with him. We are to be different. We should celebrate every life saved, every life changed equally, and know that heaven celebrates with us. It does not matter where they have come from or what they have done. These things only add to their testimony. What matters is who they are now. Remember the question I asked you at the beginning about being lost? So, I knew my parents put their hands up in this one, the third, final third question. So, a little while ago, I um, went to pick my parents up from the airport, and my dad took over the drive on the way home, so it wasn't my fault. Uh, <laughs> it was all of us, it was all of us. Um, well, about an hour into the journey, we're driving along, and one of us, I can't remember who it was, went, did, did that sign say Swindon? And we're like, no. Well, nothing looks that familiar. Where, where are we? And we soon realised we had missed the first turn-off after the airport on our way home and driven an hour in the wrong direction, over an hour in the wrong direction. 
wasn't a detour. We couldn't just take the next turn and go home. It wasn't a few junctions down the road. We had to drive back on ourselves for over an hour. We had probably missed countless signs saying we're going the wrong way. We didn't recognise anything was around us, but we were still managing to get lost. We were happy catching up in our car. We were happy chatting about their holiday and what I've been doing and all that sort of things. We thought we were going the right way. We thought we knew where we were. We, we soon found our way to make, get our way back. We realised we needed to find the truth on what direction we should be going and take the correct path. We did not have to lay the road before us. We did not have to pave it. This was already done. This is the good news. Jesus has paved the way. We do not have to fight our way along the path or do anything else to gain entry to a relationship with God, to be brought back into his flock. The works are already done. This is the truth. See, if we had not seen that sign, we could have gone on for a long time. And eventually the road would have ended out. We cannot let this happen to our friends, our family, our town, and further afield. If your friends won't listen, know that Jesus healed the deaf. If they can't see the light, know that Jesus healed the blind. If they just seem lost and there seems no way back, Jesus raised the dead. I mean, come on. Could have he done more than that? Yes, and he did for us so that we could be fulfilled God's promise. He died for us and, be, and he fulfilled God's promise and he was and became the good shepherd, the way back for us. So hopefully we've all heard something today that has caught our attention or we know that God is highlighting it for us at the moment. Maybe you want to welcome Jesus into your life. Maybe you want to be more, more courage to talk to a friend or colleague. Maybe you want the chance, the opportunity to be that sign on the road to Swindon. Now, Swindon's not a bad place. It's just a metaphor. <laughs> I've never been there. In just a moment, we will have time to respond and pray. Where myself and I will be up the front, ready to pray with you. He's the good shepherd. He has laid down his life for us so that we may be welcomed into his courts. As I come to finish, let's be thinking about who we want to hear God's word and know the truth. Finally, I want to read to you again verse 16 from John 10. And I have other sheep who are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd's.